Welcome to Consider This Question. This is a first of six podcasts designed to accompany a Sunday morning series that we're calling From the Beginning. We're covering manhood, womanhood, sexuality and singleness, and marriage and divorce, all from a biblical perspective. We begin the series with a discussion of biblical manhood. We think you'll find the conversation insightful. We hope you find it helpful. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Consider This Question. We're going to be talking about this awesome topic of manhood today. And so the people I have in the studio with me are a woman, Kelsey Spear. Hey, hey. Um, I have Ryan Vincent, who is part of our adult ministry team here at Sunnybrook. And I have Jim, who um, is kind of our head guy here at Sunnybrook. And we just want to kind of talk about the issues of manhood within culture and within the church and how we can kind of recognize their role and their identity um, and um, as a person of God, so as a man of God. So we're just going to go ahead and start with our first question, jump right in. What does it mean to be a man in today's culture? What is our, are the things that our cultures are telling you? This is what it means to be a man, whether it's in your house, whether it's at work, whether it's in society. What, what do you think, Jim? Um. I, I think we're clearly in a time of flux. I mean, uh, going back, I think things have been changing. Um, it's interesting how over the last probably, say, 20 or 30 years, there's almost been like a celebration on both sides of it. Um, so I don't even know how many how many years ago it was, but uh, there was a TV show that came out called The Man Show. And uh, basically it was all the stereotypical, mostly immoral uh, kind of attributes that were given to men in terms of our lust for sex and our lust for power and greed and those kinds of things. And they kind of celebrated that. And so I, I, I see clearly that's a big deal about what it means to be a man. Um, everything from huge beards to, um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting. So that you've got that whole side of things. And then almost simultaneously, culture seems to be saying, but you kind of get to define it on your own. And so, sure, there's that side of it, but that's just one side of it. And then they, they will kind of give another stereotype on the other side. It's a man who understands his feelings, and it's a man who – and my perspective, and again, this is kind of one of the complicated parts about going through these topics as we're going to, right? Manhood, womanhood, sexuality, singleness, marriage, and divorce as we do this – um, no, I, I'm, I'm speaking really for myself. I'm not just standing up and saying this is a Sunnybrook idea. But then, then there is this other stereotype that we actually have, which is to be a man is actually to be more like a woman. And I'm always concerned when we take attributes and we make them one gender or the other. I don't like either of those. I don't like it when this, this attribute is woman or this attribute is man. Um, such so, as such as what? Like, what well, mean? I mean, in order to be a man, it's to be in touch with your uh, with your soft side or with your whatever. Oh, okay. And I'm going, what do you mean? Well, you know, the womanly side. And I'm saying, well, okay. And again, I, I recognize that there are differences, but it really seems like the that 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 real men aren't afraid to cry. That real men wear, wear pink, pink. That yeah. real men, and it becomes again another stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I want to say um, that that culture seems to not know. To be honest with you, I mean, the more that I look at it, the more that I think, you guys have no idea what you're talking about, do you? Like, it seems like it's either this extreme over here in which I just killed a bear and I'm about to wear its skin. Um, and then over here, it's like I'm supposed to be like my mom. Yeah. And I'm going, what if what if neither of those are correct? And so it, it seems like it really is dividing. It really seems to be both ends of the spectrum are being lifted up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of get a sense culture is saying um and i and i do believe culture is saying 
I don't know. You figure it out. It's whatever you want it to be. I mean, which then fits under under the kind of the relativistic and pluralistic mentality that when we don't really believe there is a truth, then we're free to pursue our own truth. Yeah. And I think that's very true with, with gender. So that's, yeah. that's what I think culture is saying. Yeah, I think culture is, I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot to add to that, but culture is, is a murky area now where it's very difficult to find the the broadly accepted stereotypes and stereotypes exist for a reason. So let's not just like hate on that word, but it's difficult to find those that are broadly accepted. I can find more acceptance of maybe the, the um, kind of the stereotypical manly man's man thing that you've always just, that I've kind of grown up knowing I can find that in the older generation as something that's more appreciated on that side and believed on that side. And um, I personally am, am, I guess technically a millennial, but on the older side of the millennial generation. And I really feel that a lot of those that are on my footsteps, you know, 10, 15 years younger than me are coming up on the other side of things where it's not that we, it's not that there's a, there's a desire for femininity per se. It's, it's a reaction against the man's man, the, the bear killer. It's an, it's a reaction against. So the only thing that we, the only way we know how to react against something is to swing the other way. Um, and to swing so hard that we eventually end up playing both sides against the middle. And so right now, it really is a bit confusing. And one of the, one of the greatest attributes um, society can look for or champion is this new form of individuality where it's, well, whatever you kind of decide. Whatever it is, there's no norm. There's no, there's no broad set of generally accepted definitions for manhood. It's, it's kind of however you want to decide it. And the second anyone else wants to impose um, truths on you, now they're oppressive. Now they're backwards. Now we are. And um, even though the idea that it's yours to discover is a truth that they're putting on you. You know, the, the other thing I'd say about culture, and I'll say this real quickly, um, culture will always get this mostly wrong. They'll get, I mean, again, every culture gets it a little bit right in terms of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. There's, I don't think God is left completely in terms of his gender or in terms of the design that he has made us as male and female. I think there's a, there's a part that we're going to get it right, and then we're always going to get it wrong. So I have no desire to just step back to 1928 when it was clear or 1828 when it was clear. Um, every culture gets it wrong. Every culture gets it a little bit right. We need something to kind of mediate that. I think it's scripture. Yeah, we when we're turning to culture for these answers, culture is a good place to analyze um, the world. It's a terrible place to get the answers that you're looking for or to find the truth in an unadulterated form. I can mm -hmm. find I can find slivers of the truth, and, yeah. and I can quickly affirm all truth is God's truth. But... I, it, you're looking for a you know two or three needles in a haystack if you want culture to give me an accurate definition of true manhood. Yeah. And when you're talking about the idea of sex, sex, self-actualization, and um, and a relativistic, when you're talking about that, are you are you speaking about our American culture or mm, are that's good. are you speaking about the the culture of men all around the world or I mean. <laughs> Is this a, a, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. Because here, here's the part that I think is funny. Even, I mean, you know, when, when we, we end up having the conversation about womanhood, it's going to be the same issue, right? 
we're going to talk about what's going on in our culture and women. And I'm going, okay, but you're not talking about Thailand. Right. Yeah. And you're not talking about Africa. You're not talking about, you're not talking about Saudi Arabia. So even when we say this, we probably need to say culture in 2016 in uh, the Western world, but then maybe more specifically the Bible Belt of America. Like yeah. you almost have to like break it down, break it down, break it down. Mm -hmm. So when you look at manhood, um, it's really it's in the American Western light mm -hmm. that we really have to look at what it means to be a man mm -hmm. because um, I've traveled the world a lot lately. It's not the same way everywhere. So there are other parts of the world. So it's not, you can't even say 2016. We, we, we argue like that now, oh, like today, this is what men around the world, I'm going, actually, that's not actually true. If anything, just because of the way the world has developed, even economically mm -hmm. and the socioeconomic uh, development of that, um, the world is probably, if we can use the word ahead and behind, uh, so culturally, if you know what I mean by this, most of the world is behind us in terms of the advancement of a man who is able to to break some of those stereotypes. Yeah. So we're clearly in America in a different place than men are in uh, when, I, when I was in Ghana or mm -hmm. when I've been in Ethiopia or when I've been traveling to other parts of particularly of the developing world. Yeah. They have very, they've, they've got clearly, clearer defined roles. And I would even tell you this, I believe they get some of that wrong and they get some of that right. So I don't go, oh, yeah, no, those people in Ghana, they just naturally get it. No, they don't. They don't get it either. They need they need truth to inform their understanding of manhood and womanhood, um, even though it might look a lot more like ours did in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it kind of goes back to what Vincent was saying about swinging the other way. Yeah. So it's almost like we're ahead of it in the fact that we've swung the other way. Yes. Yeah. But, we're, but it's not like... We're, we're right yeah, now. Yeah, no, we're just yeah. following. We've gone too we're far following Europe. <laughs> That's what we we're follow, We follow Europe in almost every mm -hmm. trend. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. So if the men that are listening to this podcast, um, or or women, um, what would you? What advice would you give them as they are starting to look into? Okay, how has really what has God called me to be? I think mm -hmm. because our culture has so warped it. And because, frankly, we have a lot of broken families that have shaped yeah. that idea, too, yeah. Yeah. of what it looks like to be a man or men that weren't there or men that were were power hungry or, or whatever. And you have all these different perspectives coming in. And so men that want to seek God are kind of going, I don't I don't even know where to look. I don't even know where yeah. to start in this thing. Um, what advice would you give to them as they're starting to look to the word and and seek out guidance on how to become a godly man? What, what has God called you to be? You know, what advice would you give them? Well, I'll grab something that I know you're going to talk about in the next podcast on womanhood. And it was, it's, it's a little surprising, but it's um, one of the ways that I think I can uh, at least discover some of the truths about biblical manhood. And let me, let me keep it in the marriage context for at least the time being, is to go and discover what the Bible calls women to be. To, to what is, so in my case, what is the Bible and what kind of um, character does it describe in a godly wife? And once I can find that, because I can show up to that with a little bit less of an agenda, when, when I, once I discovered that, I can then step back and say, okay, well, what kind of man can elicit um, those characteristics in a woman? What, what does the Bible say about manhood that can um, 
put my family in a position such that my wife flourishes as a biblical woman, mm. such that she grows in her Christ likeness? And how do I do that in a way where I'm growing to be more like Christ? And how do I lead like Christ leads his church? How do I serve? And so it's coming into, it's almost like I can find the answer and reverse engineer it and find the, the way of getting there rather than, okay, well, being a, being a godly man means leading and it means I get to talk in church and women don't just kind of like go in and abuse all the texts. Um, but rather go in and say, what is the picture of godliness prescribed in the New Testament? What does holiness look like? And then, does it get any more granular than that? Than that? Is there a, a male side of that? Is there a female side of that? What does the end game look like? And then, what kind of information does Scripture give me to move in that direction? And it, it can be, I think it can be a little, uh, it can be helpful to go find the answer and then figure out kind of the, the long-form math in between. Yeah. Mm. I would say um, of two things. First one is, don't go to the Bible and expect to find it like explicitly because mm-hmm. the Bible has on a different agenda. The Bible actually, it's, its primary agenda isn't to help us understand ourselves. It's to help explain and reveal God. Mm-hmm. And in the revelation of God, we find that he made us and that he made us in his image. So if you go to the Bible to try to figure out how to be a wife or a husband or a man or a woman, um, try to find out if you're homosexual or heterosexual, if you try to find out if you're an engineer or a cook, I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're going to the Bible for that reason and that becomes your agenda, then you're going to manipulate it to get there, okay? So recognize the Bible's design is to reveal God, and then from there we find things. And so it's not going to be as clear as you'd like it to be. I mean, I'm right, I'm, I'm preaching the first message this week on, yeah. on, on manhood, and um, it's amazing how hard it is to find verses that explicitly— yeah like truly explicitly describe this. Now, I can manipulate the text to try to prove my point. Um, but one of the things that overwhelmed me is, but the Bible does seem to say, hey, men, act like this. Yeah. Hey, men, do this. Like, it does do that. Um, but that's even culturally conditioned to some degree and culturally, uh, you know, beyond cultural conditioning. So let the Bible kind of have its own its own way with us. Let, let the Bible have its own agenda, I think, is absolutely <clears throat> Essential, and then the other thing that I would add to this is that um, whether it become you know like next week when we talk about the women's roles and the and womanhood actually beyond women's roles womanhood to remember that what we are in Christ is the greatest thing, and it becomes so essential that when we look at these attributes, I said earlier I don't like labeling love as a female attribute and righteousness and is a male attribute. I mean, I just think we so get that wrong Mm -hmm. that all of the attributes, all of the fruit of the spirit, let's look at that. Which of the fruit of the spirit are manly and which of them are womanly? That's a foolish question. They're they're all all godly. They're all godly. Exactly. And from the godly, then I need to, I need to exhibit them. And I, I also love this. I love the idea that this will come under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit in the context of the Christian community where other people are helping me understand it, and it will come naturally. So as I seek for love, joy, patience, as we go through, right, self-control, gentleness, all of these things, I am pursuing them, and the Holy Spirit will help me understand what they are. I am seeing them, and they're being played out in me. 
Um, the one caution that I would give is, and I'm, I'm seeing this a lot right now, especially I was in not this last men's encounter, but the one before that. And so I'm in the middle of school of discipleship right now. The number of guys that I have had work through daddy issues is crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and even, even, even I've had to go back, had a great dad. My dad did a wonderful job raising me, helping me understand what it means to be a man, all of that stuff. Um, and there's some stuff that I needed to work through. It's amazing how much absentee fathers, abusive fathers, um, fathers who I, I watched a grown manly man break down because his dad has never told him that he loves him. Hmm. That's that's a woman's job. That, that's, that's not just a stereotype that I want to break. That's like a sin that I want to confront. And there's a difference. That's a sin. To not tell someone that you love them. I like what one guy says, and he uses it in the marriage context. Gary Thomas says, for someone to say, his context is husband to wife or wife to husband. But I would say, believer to believer, to never say, or to say that I never loved you or to never say that I love you is to say that I'm not a Christian. Mm. Right? Mm. So that is that is something that we need to work through. And I would say that as we address this subject about manhood, um, Go to the text, let it speak to you, realize there are a lot of these general attributes, and then be prepared to be honest about the the mess that your dad may have set you up for. Brian, I want to ask you a question real quick. Going back to talking about um, discovering manhood in the context of marriage, um, I kind of just wanted to ask, uh, what advice would you give people for, who aren't single? How did they discover, or who aren't married? Um, or who are single? How do you discover manhood or womanhood apart from being in a marriage? Do you, can you miss parts of manhood or womanhood if you never get married? And can I also chime in on that <laughs> before you even question. before you even say your answer? Can I say one thing yeah. um, that has to do with that? I think as a church community and as brothers and sisters in the church. Part of the reason that has become the way it is is because it goes back to the idea of being individualistic. Mm. And so our families have yeah. become so separated and individual mm. and instead of overlapping like the church is called to be mm -hmm. that because I can speak as a single woman that I know what it means to be a single woman because of my brother, Ryan Vincent mm -hmm. and his vulnerability with mm. me. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not Rachel Vincent and I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want him to treat me like I am. I don't want, but he, but he's able to, he doesn't just treat me like I'm a, like I have leprosy. Yeah. Okay. And I think that some people. <laughs> well, as your voice continues to break okay, down, okay, I might start. Okay, I'm sick. But I do have to say that. And so that's I think, good. I think yeah. that's really, really important, but okay, you can, you can yes, go. That's a, that's a good disclaimer. Um, to clarify, I don't turn to my marriage to discover biblical manhood. Mm -hmm. I turn to my marriage as the most natural theater in which it plays out for me. Hmm. So it's almost like I have I have a particular context that it's going to function for me. Um, it's not that it's not only within the context of a marriage and um, with kids in the home that I that I have like that I discovered these things. Mm -hmm. It's a place to exercise these things. Um, but in terms of recommendation or or advice to um, to single people about what does it look like to to discover or to learn more about and, and understand biblical manhood and womanhood. Um, it's quite simply like, again, there's, there's some contextual work to be done. There's some, there's some historical understanding that is to some degree required, but many, many of the influential um, people that we read about in the new Testament 
lived out their calling from God outside of marriage. Mm. Jesus, <laughs> the best example. Um, and so um, when and we can even get really mired in the, um, here's where I can sound a little bit like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. We can become obsessed with gender distinction to mm-hmm. such a degree that we forget to focus on Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I do believe that there's a fundamental difference between genders, I also believe that there is a mutual pursuit of Christ likeness. And, and that is where our focus ought to be. And I think that in that biblical manhood and womanhood, I don't want to say naturally shakes itself out, but mm-hmm. it supernaturally will shake, will shake itself out in the context of a church, in the mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. of other believers, in the context mm-hmm. of if I were a single man, older men that can show mm-hmm. me these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christ so in community yes. is essentially what you're saying, yes. right? So how yeah. does a single person discover who they are and their identity, whether it's woman or man, I would say in the context of the community of Christ. Yes. Yeah. So like, for instance, I, I have a marriage and in that context, I get to exercise a lot of the characteristics of biblical manhood, but it is, it is far from the only arena. Um, yeah. I actually, if you count up the amount of time I spend with people, uh, on a weekly basis, so take sleep off the table, but on the, a weekly basis, I'm actually with the church staff more than I am with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Mike, like that Ryan, some things. it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, says Jim. Yes, um, but but it's also it it's also true. says that there there are other areas where me being a man. Um, mm-hmm. needs to be understood, and that's with other mm-hmm. godly men. It is with other godly women. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's even a place where, for, for those of you that are single, spiritual friendship is a very important part yeah. of your life. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm single, therefore I'm alone, or I'm married, therefore mm-hmm. I'm not alone. It's, mm-hmm. I'm married, I have one more person that I'm now going to spend a lot of time with mm-hmm. in a very unique way. But it doesn't mean that uh, that's the first time I engage in biblical community, and uh, that's not the first time that biblical manhood and womanhood begins to play itself out. Because Morgan's my sister in Christ, and mm-hmm. therefore I have to act as a man would towards a sister in Christ and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To think that you have no responsibility to anyone because right. you are a single person right. is absurd. Mm-hmm. It is absurd if you're a Christ follower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which we'll probably talk more about on the singleness <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we will. But. Okay, I have another question. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, where, as a church, have, have we gotten this right, this idea of we've held up the right idea of what it looks like to be a man? Where have we got it wrong? Um, and how have, we done, how have we done that? I mean, when you talk about, and, and I've heard this, I don't know the ins and outs because I'm not a man, so I haven't been at our, we have this thing called Men's Encounter where men are going away to get, to get um together as a group and they're really kind of diving into some truths about who God's created them to be and what he's called them to be and digging out some things that they're struggling with like kind of what you talked about seeing grown men just break down about issues they've had and that have had to do with manhood um with, I don't even know I don't know I just have this kid I don't know how I'm supposed to love them as a man I'm supposed to do what God's told me to do I don't know how I'm supposed to lead my wife I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to my parents I don't know how yep. and so we have these issues um and and it, that's coming out of the context of people in the church. Yeah. So we we have gotten it right, right? I mean, that what I assume would be a right thing, but apparently there's a lot of things we've gotten wrong also. Yep. And so what? where have we gotten this right, this issue of manhood, and where, and where have we gotten this wrong? I think there was a book that came out a little while ago called Why Men Hate the Church, and we read it as a staff uh, a number of years ago. And it was really kind of interesting because 
uh, as I was reading it, I thought, boy, that sure is true. Um, and I don't know how you guys feel, but it's it's always strange to um, to to sing songs to Jesus like he's your prom date. <laughs> Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so some of our some of our worship actually. Your love is intimate. That like that. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, it's interesting how and I, what what happens is is that when and I'm so glad that the church is taking the arts, what they call the arts, seriously, mm-hmm. and in areas of like music and that that we're 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 delving back into that realm and we're taking it. Um, but truly, to to lean upon the Savior's breast is just a f- strange phrase for a guy to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And a lot of the way that we even approach Jesus and way that we approach life, it's about a love song. Yeah. And it's about a, and I'm, and hear me to try to, to try to say that's so not manly. No, it is. It's so not maybe the primary way that a lot of men respond. And this is one of the complicated things is that even though it means something to be a man, it's a, it doesn't mean everything, but it means something that there are areas in which we're going to have a lot of overlap and areas in which we're going to have some diversity and difference. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with singing that I love. And I do. I love Jesus. I love him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, that might sound strange for some men to say they need to get over it mm-hmm. because we need to love Jesus more than we love anyone. So mm-hmm. the greatest love of my life is not my wife. It's actually a man God named Jesus. So that's that's who I love the most, and where I think the church has gotten it wrong is their approach to him. Um, a lot of our our ministries, a lot of the way that we uh, even kind of resonate with him, the idea of um, well, I won't even try to get into all the stereotypes, but I think the church has um, so missed swinging pendulums. We've swung the pendulum so far one way that I think the church has gotten some of that wrong. Some of that wrong. And I don't think the answer is to just never say I love Jesus either. So I don't, I'm not really excited about swinging it back the other way. Um, Or I think the church has actually gotten it right. And this is the first thing I thought about. I just have names. Paul Weiss gets it right. Mm -hmm. Steve Broadway gets it right. You know, Alan Higgins gets it right. Mm -hmm. Mark Prather gets it right. So I, I love to, when we talk about where the church gets it right or where the church gets it wrong, I mean, it really is in like examples that I see. And, and even each of those men, it's not that they're everything. There are some common denominators. Um, they're all pr- profound providers of their family. They love to protect the truth. Um, they love Jesus more than they love anything else. Um, where the church has gotten it right is when men stand up and put Jesus Christ first. And that is happening. That is happening. Mm-hmm. Even even when I think about um, the influences on my life, men like Dr. Lowry and, and, and Mark Scott um, are profound men and examples and pillars of the faith that I want to be like. Mm-hmm. And that is that is really encouraging to me. So it's not it's not refusing to say that you love your child because that's what a woman's supposed to do. And mm-hmm. it's also not I'm going to, I so want to be the opposite of that, that I'm going to take my daughter on a lot of dates. In fact, we're going to have daddy date, daddy daughter dates every month, <laughs> right? It's not one or the other. It's, uh, it's no, what can, how can I communicate? Podcast, how can I communicate? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally Christ agree. Christ is yeah. first. But you know what I loved about that? I mean, when we went through that book, here's what I loved about it. Because on the one hand, um, I could critique so much that the church has done. There has been whether you agree with this or not, I believe, and this book definitely proposes, there has been a feminization of the church mm-hmm. over the last 40 or 50 mm-hmm. years. And that is true. 
And a lot of it is because men have abandoned the church. Mm. And so now in many churches, the primary people in it. And so that's that's where our music ended up going. And that's kind of where our kind of the, the way that we think about spiritual formation has gone kind of naturally. So you got to be careful with those um, with those stereotypes. OK, mm. um, so if that is where the church has made a mistake, that we also recognize there have been some very critical places and where the church has actually gotten it right as well. And I love the fact that I've got some friends of mine who say, you know, on some of those some of those songs that you're describing, actually, as a manly man, I still actually am OK with that. Yeah. And so, you know, there was uh, one particular guy on staff and I liked how he said, listen, like I don't hunt. Um, I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy I love sports though, but I don't hunt. And he, he said, and I really do like, I like poetry. I like it. Like, is that not, is that not manly too? And again, without saying, well, that's true. No, you can say anything that you want. He's not saying that, but he's saying, be really careful stereotyping one side or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one of the disservices we have done is, um, actually in many ways, uh, uh, a refusal on the church's part to even have these discussions. Hmm. Um, for the longest time, I think that the church just kind of assumes that we all agree. And so we don't need to talk about manhood and womanhood. And we might actually now be moving into a period of time where the church assumes everyone is against the message of scripture. And therefore we might actually be a little scared to talk about it. And so I think that one of the, the yeah. complicated thing, or one of the best ways to ensure complexity and chaos is to just never address it. Um, and so I think that that's led to a lot of confusion because we shouldn't assume everyone agrees with Scripture. And then we shouldn't be fearful when people disagree with Scripture. And I think that the church's job is to rightly uh, take the truth, hold it out there, and then let the chips fall where they may. Yep. That's our job. We lead people with the truth. We don't lead them to what we want. We lead them to the truth. Um, And then in terms of what we've done right, I think, and this is actually a way of countering what I just said we may have done wrong, um, is an absolute allegiance to God's revelation through Scripture. And this is why we as a church preach um, through Bible books. Because when we come to Matthew 19, we can't avoid it. Yeah. Like, we, we couldn't avoid Matthew 18. <laughs> yeah. So the, you have back-to-back yeah, a couple of... We have to deal with sin. Yeah, we have to deal with sin, and then we have to deal with the complexities of Jesus' instructions regarding marriage and divorce and all the other issues that kind of come with that. And I think that um, our, our allegiance to Jesus and to his word, and therefore we preach in a certain way such that we, we, we don't even give ourselves the option to pick and choose. We don't give ourselves the option to ignore God's revelation and his truths. It forces us to have these conversations. And I think that that's a really good thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Anything, any last thoughts you guys, any of you guys have? Nope. Well, I have a million thoughts, but probably different podcasts. Yeah. Maybe a different, maybe a different podcast. I mean, I think the challenge that, um, I would make to us, I did it last night at, uh, at our Wednesday night study, is to have a heart that's willing to hear this, mm-hmm. um, to kind of let go maybe either of some of your baggage or let go of some of your own um, presuppositions about it. Be willing to be wrong. I mean, I have to. I mean, since I'm preaching the text, it's not just that I want it this way, but there are areas in which it'd probably be easier for me to just embrace a sin in my life and say that's what men do, or maybe to ignore a responsibility that God has naturally given me because my roles are father, not mother, and my roles are husband, not wife. 
Um, and so I, I think that I need to be hearing the, 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 the truth of Scripture in a way that I'm willing to change, that I'm willing mm-hmm. to submit to it. And I think that would be the biggest thing. Is So I don't, as the series moves on, manhood, womanhood, sexuality, singleness, marriage, divorce, every time you or I want to say, are you telling me that? So what you're saying is, and that, that kind of that, that, that bowing up, realize that you were most likely saying something because the word, hopefully the word, and it's not just my word, but the word is offending you. Mm-hmm. And I need you to just to, to acknowledge it. Whenever you want to go, so you're telling me. It's like whenever that happens in your head, realize that that is most likely, I believe this, that is most likely something that is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I would say the opposite of that as well. If you hear this and you think, gosh, I just feel like I'm a crappy man. <laughs> and you feel the guilt and the, I really do feel paralyzed about what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to go. Just know the word does have things to say to you. Um, and, and you are able to live out by the power of the Holy Spirit and following Christ what he has planned for your life. And um, and that that's valuable in mm-hmm. our church. And that we need you to do that in our church. So please don't uh, just call just call the church, 405-377-0923. And yeah. we would love to talk to you more about that. Yeah, All because right. we really have talked big picture. Yeah, we have. And, you know, there are some very specific things, but they actually work more in the role as husband and father, um, as person in community. Uh, you'll never get it wrong if you act like Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. I think that's where we should end it. We'll see you next week.